everyone. My name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to episode 100 of the Hockey Minds podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, you can visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Glenn Stanford, president of the Newfoundland Growlers. Glenn is a seasoned hockey mind with a number of unique experiences in the game, which include championships at the AHL and ECHL level. Ironically, Glenn is the first person I reached out to in the game for advice when I was looking to make a career in this game, so it was great to have him join me today and share some advice with listeners as well. With that, here's Glenn Stanford, president of the Newfoundland Growlers. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests for huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. You draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports, and DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app today and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Glenn Stanford, president of the Newfoundland Growlers. Glenn, thanks for joining the podcast. Appreciate you having me, Ryan. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you on. And, um, you know, we've known each other here for, for the last couple of years, and I've been able to work with the Growlers for a little bit and uh, kind of see how you work on a day-to-day basis. So I think it's great to finally get you on the podcast and, and share your story. Ironically enough, this being episode 100. Uh, Trevor was actually episode one, so uh, the Growlers getting their second appearance on the podcast. Uh, good, you get get the old guy for the hundredth episode. That's good. <laughs> no, no, I, I just I think uh, you know you have a wealth of experience, and, and we'll get into it, but a, a lot to uh, to learn from you here. So um, let's just start off learning a little bit more about you personally. Maybe talk about your upbringing, playing sports in your early years, and and just some more info uh, so listeners can get to know you better. Sure. Yeah, I was uh, I was. Uh... Born in 1957, be 64 years old uh, next month, and uh, uh, grew up in the West End of St. John's uh, on Springdale Street, not too far from uh, from Mile One. Though so back in those days, it was Barters Hill. Uh, um, came from a pretty big family: seven boys, four girls. Um, kind of followed my two older brothers, Wayne and Gary, when it became to uh, to be involved in sports. We all went to uh, we all went to St. Pat's, uh, St. Pat's school, um, even though um, uh, we were actually in the territory for Holy Cross School. And uh, but uh, when we moved from Pennywell Road in St. John's over to Springdale Street, uh, my mother wanted us to continue to go to St. Pat's. So all seven boys actually uh, uh, went to St. Pat's and, uh, and continued on and went to Brother Rice High School. And uh, uh, so for 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 me, uh, playing sports growing up, it was. Uh, it was it was mostly soccer and basketball, uh, you know, soccer during the summer months, basketball during uh, the winter months. Um, um, 
we didn't play a lot of hockey back in those days uh, with St. Bonds Forum being across the street. Um, and St. Bonds didn't have a gym. We They used to actually use St. Pat's gym growing up for their basketball. And the odd time we'd get over to uh, over to St. Bonds to play hockey. But back in those days, you uh, you couldn't play both. And you had to choose as to uh, which sport you want. And uh, because uh, uh, the gym was ready available at St. Pat's, uh, uh, all the guys and uh, all the guys, for the most part, my family played soccer and basketball. Except uh, later on, my younger brother Paul played uh, played hockey at a at a fairly high level uh, with regards to the midgets and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Soccer and basketball were the two sports. Obviously, loved watching hockey, but never played it at any level growing up. Yeah, it's always interesting to to hear the backgrounds and different guests and kind of see. Uh, if hockey really was a like a fixture in your life early on and you said you know soccer and basketball and I know you were a fairly good basketball player as well and um, you know it's no surprise you carried on with sport and the next thing I want to talk about is you know working with the Newfoundland Labrador Athletic High School Federation and and coaching in various aspects so maybe just walk us through uh, kind of taking it from uh, playing passion into more of a coaching and management and and just talk about that experience. Yeah well I had the opportunity when uh you know, when I left, uh, when I played university, I played Memorial University soccer and basketball from uh, uh, either mid '70s to uh, to 1980, and then came out of university um, and actually taught for six years. I was uh, uh, taught at St. John Bosco in Shea Heights, and for for five years at Roncalli High School in Avondale, and uh, totally enjoyed the uh, uh, the teaching industry. Uh, uh, loved being around kids and. Ironically, I wasn't a phys ed teacher. I was a uh, I was an English teacher, and uh, um, coached uh, coached the school teams out and around Collie. Loved that atmosphere out there. Loved the community out there. Uh, but kind of got tired a little bit of driving back and forth. And uh, back in those days, uh, uh, we did have carpools going back and forth from teachers who were living in St. John's and working out in Avondale. Uh, but I defeated the carpool. Uh, idea because I was always staying behind school and uh, and coaching uh, either cross country teams, basketball teams, or, or whatever. And so I ended up pretty well driving by myself most of the time. And uh, so kind of got a little tired of that, not the teaching part, but certainly the driving part. And um, had an opportunity in uh, in 1986 to uh, become executive director of uh, Newfoundland Labrador High School Athletic Federation, uh, which seemed to be a natural progression for me, Ryan, as you said. Uh, just kind of loved being around sports. And that gave me an opportunity to uh, be around sports for the first time at a management level and uh, uh, followed Walter Crotty, who was, uh, who was, and Kathy Crotty, who were with the High School Athletic Federation for a number of years. And I uh, got to spend a couple of years uh, uh, doing that. And uh, uh, at the same time, uh, you know, playing, uh, continued to play soccer and basketball um, at the high level here in Newfoundland and also at national tournaments. And, at the same time, was able to coach uh, uh, Canada Games basketball teams and uh, junior provincial teams at national levels during that time as well. So that kind of took me up through, uh, you know, through the 80s and uh, certainly to the late 80s for sure. Yeah, a lot of great experiences. And, and again, sometimes we, we've heard a lot of guests, uh, especially the coaching and people involved in management, uh, a lot of times go from teaching and kind of just naturally find themselves working in sport if the opportunity comes about and you, you kind of did that and, and were able to, uh, you know, coach and, and be involved in multiple capacities. But 
eventually you're able to get into hockey and your uh, one of the initial experiences I want to talk about here is your time with the St. John's Maple Leafs as their VP of hockey operations, uh, you know, a fixture in, in Newfoundland hockey and um, definitely a lot of uh, Toronto Maple Leaf fans would know the franchise as well. So just talk about uh, kind of how you found yourself in that role and then the entire experience with that organization. Well, it was, it was quite interesting actually, because uh, as I was with the high school athletic federation, Back in 1988, there was a, uh, an application became available uh, in, in the local newspaper for a manager of Memorial Stadium. And uh, I realized quite quickly that I had no expertise to apply for the job to be manager of Memorial Stadium. And uh, thus, I didn't apply. And uh, I, I guess they went through a uh, first round of interviews and, uh, and, and didn't want or didn't see anybody there that, uh, that they liked. And they came out for a second application. And uh, I was asked by a good friend of mine, uh, Guy Bribery, who was director of recreation for the city of St. John's at the time to stick my name in, uh, which I did. And I ended up, uh, I ended up getting the job in 1988 as, uh, as manager of, uh, of Memorial Stadium for, uh, for two or three years. And then realized at the time that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm managing a facility and I don't have a tent. Uh, back then, senior hockey was the... Uh, was the game of the day, and in, in, in the seventies and eighties, if you can remember, I mean the the the, the buildings were packed uh, across Newfoundland with senior hockey, and and Memorial Stadium was no different up until that point, where you know St. John's, Cornerbrook, Grand Falls, Gander, uh, the hockey was quite good and it was quite popular, uh, but unfortunately during that time that I was uh, manager, senior hockey was uh, was dwindling, and we never we never did have a full time tenant, so I actually. Uh, um, set out to, uh, to try to find a full-time tenant. And, you know, I, I should mention because he doesn't get, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves for, for helping bring pro sports, uh, pro hockey to, uh, to Newfoundland was Guy Bribery. Uh, Guy worked along with uh, me. Guy was actually my boss during those uh, times that I was at Memorial Stadium and worked hard uh, uh, in a number of areas that I'll explain in a second as to how we ended up getting the Toronto Maple Leafs here. And uh, so I just want to mention his name. He, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves for, for helping bring pro hockey here. Uh, so, yeah, so here I am, manager of a building. I don't have a tenant. And uh, at that time, uh, the Edmonton Oilers had moved their team to Cape Breton and uh, to become the Cape Breton Oilers. And I didn't know the manager at the time, but I said, you know, if they can get a team in Cape Breton, I wonder if we could get a team here in Newfoundland. Uh, so I called up the general manager of the time, who was Dave Andrews and uh, uh, introduce myself and say, hey, listen, I'm the manager of Memorial Stadium in St. John's. I understand you're in the American Hockey League. Uh, like, how do I go about trying to get, uh, trying to get a team here? And then how, 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 you know, so, so really when you talk about, you know, the first person who kind of opened up the doors for me and took that call, number one, and then mentored me for a couple of years as to how I go about it was Dave Andrews. And as you were aware, Dave became president of the American Hockey League, and we've been friends for, for over 35 years now. And uh, so we did. <clears throat> we started, and uh, we approached the, uh, uh, the American Hockey League. We, we called around looking for teams. Um, and at the time, uh, the Minnesota North Stars were in the International Hockey League, and their affiliate was Kalamazoo, the Kalamazoo Wings. And they wanted to move from the International Hockey League to the American Hockey League. And so there we were. We said, well, here's our opportunity. Uh, we'll, we'll get a team in the American Hockey League. And 
it, they would be Minnesota. And we actually had Brian Burke was the assistant GM for Minnesota at the time. Bobby Clark was the GM. Uh, we had a deal done with the Minnesota North Stars to bring the team to St. John's. And uh, uh, so in 1990, we went to Cape Breton. The Board of Governors of the American Hockey League were meeting in Cape Breton. Uh, Floyd Smith was the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs at the time. And uh, we thought it was a slam dunk. We thought we go, we've got an agreement with an NHL team uh, to move their team from the International Hockey League to the American Hockey League, and they were going to play in St. John's. And uh, um, we thought it was just easy as let's vote. Uh, we go to the meeting. We're asked to leave. Uh, they voted against accepting Minnesota to come into the American Hockey League. So we were absolutely devastated. And uh, at the time, and I did not know him at the time, I was sitting in the lobby of the, uh, of the Holly Inn in Cape Breton, and Floyd Smith came out, uh, who was a general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs at the time, and he gave me his card. Uh, this was in June, and he called me Kid, and he said, Kid, call me in October. And that was it. I, he, didn't, he just gave me his card. He introduced himself, and he said, call me in October, and left. And... Uh, so that whole summer, we were absolutely devastated because we thought that was our opportunity to bring an American Hockey League team here. Um, and we found out after the fact, the conversation that took place in the boardroom was this. Uh, Floyd Smith was there. The team was in Newmarket. The Toronto Maple Leafs teams were in Newmarket. They were losing tons of money. And uh, he wanted to move out of Newmarket. And he saw St. John's as a possible destination for his team. So Floyd's argument was that why should we take a uh, team in a competitive league to us and bring them into our fold when the Toronto Maple Leafs have been in this league for a number of years. We're interested in that market. I know they'll be disappointed this year, but they won't be disappointed next year because we intend on moving our team to St. John's. Now, we did not know that uh, when he handed me that card in the, in the lobby of the Hall of the Inn. Uh, Would have made my summer much more uh, less stressful than, uh, than what it was for those four or five months. So, uh, so that's what happened. Uh, October the 1st, I remember around October the 1st, it was October. He told, he said, call in October and October the 1st, I picked up the phone and I called Floyd Smith and I said, Mr. Smith, uh, don't know if you remember me. It's Glenn Stanford. Yeah. I said, I remember you. Uh, and that's how it started. We, we spent that, that winter, uh, coming to an agreement with the, uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs to relocate their team from Newmarket, uh, to St. John's, albeit one year later than what we would have liked it to do. Uh, we had to do a tremendous uh, a renovation project with Memorial Stadium. We had to put new seats in. We didn't have a dressing room. We had to turn the old garage that we had into the dressing room. It was a, it was a stressful time, but, but obviously when you take a look back at it, uh, you know, how fortunate were we, uh, no disrespect to Minnesota, but how fortunate were we to end up with a partner like the Toronto Maple Leafs, which we ended up with 14 years in St. John's and uh, Floyd Smith, uh, um, was a wonderful man. I still keep in contact with him today. Uh, you know, made that bold move to, uh, uh, to come out East. And then, then what actually happened after that, if you, if you check it out, maybe I'll talk to you about that when I talk about the strike that we had in, in the, in St. John's, but, uh, you know, we were blessed to obviously have uh, that opportunity. Uh, we were so disappointed the year before, uh, but that disappointment, uh, uh, obviously was, uh, was cemented by the fact that we got the Leafs here for a number of, for a number of years. And, and so, so yeah, so as, so during that first year, I'm still the manager of Memorial stadium. So, 
so during the summer months, uh, as we were uh, as we were uh, uh, announced in June, the, the meeting had uh, the American Hockey League Board of Governors was in Hershey, uh, unanimous to move the team from Newmarket to St. John's, um, which was great. That happened in June of '91. Uh, Floyd Smith called me up and he said, "Hey, uh, you seem to know what you're doing. Do you mind helping us getting the hockey team up?" So I said, "Yeah, I'll help you get the hockey team up." And then, so I actually for that first year was manager of Memorial Stadium, and also uh, ended up uh, getting the hockey team up and running. And then at the end of that first year, uh, asked me what I want to stay on full time with hockey. And uh, as you know, that's what I decided to do uh, to leave the facility management business for a few years anyway. Yeah, a, a tremendous uh, story there. Just kind of how things fall into place, and uh, it's a matter of right place, right time, and the right connections. And uh, you know, you definitely would have been happy having Minnesota come into the fold. But again, the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, you know the Canadian hockey culture in Newfoundland—it's a lot of Toronto and Montreal. So you get the fan base initially, and it's always interesting just again to hear how that kind of works out and. The team had success there and and spent, you know, a number of years with a great fan base and uh, went through an arena move and all these different things. Um, maybe just walk us through the next couple of years with the team and, and just give a little more context to their, their tenure and, and your role. And then uh, eventually talk about uh, your move to the ECHL and your next opportunity with Idaho. Yeah. Well, it was interesting with, uh, as you know, during that first year, and there's something quirky about me and first years with organization. Uh, you know, during that first year, we ended up, uh, you know, Mark Crawford was our coach. Joel Quinville was our assistant coach. Felix Potvin was our goalie. Uh, had a tremendous team on the ice. Uh, uh, you know, we make it to the uh, to the Calder Cup finals. We're playing Adirondack. Uh, and uh, you probably know the story. No team wins at home ice. Uh, Adirondack beats us game seven. At Memorial Stadium, uh, we had a three-one lead early in the uh, in the third period. Uh, we had a goal. Uh, Andrew McKim had scored a goal that was disallowed because uh, uh, I never forget the official's name was Nick Magoo uh, because uh, Nick thought that the horn had gone or the whistle had gone and no replay back then. And uh, and uh, we, I looked at Cliff Fletcher at the time and said, "Oh no!" And uh, anyway, the story is we ended up losing. Uh, we lose in five three. So the first year, you know, we make it to the Stanley uh, to the Collar Cup final, and then, uh, uh, you know, I thought, God, this is easy. This this is a pretty good uh, pretty good lead to get involved in. You make it to the to the Collar Cup final in your first year, and uh, little did I know it would take me another fifteen years to to make it to the Cup final. And then uh, when I was with Hamilton, but uh, uh, you know, obviously the the the, the fan base uh, for uh, pro hockey back then, you know, Memorial Stadium was a Memorial Stadium was a small building, you know, only 2,400 seats and, um, you know, two rows of standing room when you, when you, when you got it going and you, you jammed 4,100 people in there. Um, you know, and over, over a period of time, um, you know, it just didn't make any sense. It just didn't make any business sense uh, to continue to play at Memorial Stadium. It's, uh, uh, you know, wonderful memories, great barn, uh, great atmosphere. Uh, but you know, no food and beverage opportunities, no sweet revenue opportunities. And as, as you got further and further into pro hockey, which obviously is a business, uh, it just didn't make any sense to play out of Memorial stadium. And not so much either for, you know, people think that, uh, people think that mile one was built strictly for hockey. And, and I would argue against that. And, uh, um, you know, we, we had, we had a number of opportunities uh, to host national tournaments or the Briar 
or things of that nature over the years. And and Memorial Stadium simply was not adequate. It was not adequate to host these these national tournaments and 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 to host any type of big name uh, concerts that you wanted to do. It was simply too small. And if we were to get into the business of hosting the Briar or hosting the Scott or hosting some major acts, we had to have a new building. And, you know, and if you're going to have a new building, you better have a tenant. Well, we had a tenant. And uh, so uh, I would disagree with the fact that people say it was built for hockey only. It wasn't built for hockey only. If we never had mile one, we'd probably never have that wonderful memory of Brad Gushu <clears throat> winning the Briar at home ice because we probably never had the opportunity to, uh, to host it in St. John's because we didn't have the adequate facilities. Uh, so, uh, you know, went through the, the 90s uh, with the St. John's Maple Leafs and a uh, uh, number of ups and downs with regards to playoff performances and things of that, na- that nature. And then mile one opens in 2001 um, and uh, we build a facility. <laughs> and then five years later, uh, you know, Toronto changes their whole philosophy with regards to uh, uh, minor league development and uh, and pulls the team, uh, you know, out of St. John's and then and, and became the Toronto Marlies. So, uh, uh, but I think for, I, I think for a lot of people, when you, when you go back to 1991, um, when we talked about, you know, the opportunity to bring pro hockey here, they were a lot of doubters out there. There are a lot of people telling us that this is absolutely will never work. It'll never work in St. John's. You know, the tickets are too expensive. You'll never get the corporate partnership uh, support. Uh, it simply will not work. And I think, uh, and when I, when I say we, I don't say we collectively as a front office people here over the years. I think we as a community uh, showed the people that they were wrong. Uh, not individual people, not Glenn Stanford, not Danny Williams, uh, not not people who 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 were just management people. Uh, we as St. John's and we as Newfoundlanders prove people wrong with regards to supporting this product. And uh, you know, American Hockey League here during those years were successful, and they were successful because of the support we we received from the fans and the support we received from from the cor- from the corporate community. And otherwise, it would never work. And they're the ones that should hold their heads heads uh, high with regards to pro hockey here. Yeah, a really great point. And, you know, without that support, uh, no organization is going to be successful. And and with your tenure with the, the Leafs, you're able to kind of see the, the ups and downs and all ends of the operation, starting with the venue management and then the new venue and, um, you know, moving a team and all these different things that you have to deal with. And, um, you know, as we touched on, the ECHL was your next stop with the Idaho Steel. So maybe just talk about how that, Again, how that kind of came about and how you moved to the ECHL and then your role there as president. Yeah, so it was uh, it was 2005 and then Toronto had already announced prior to where season started that they were moving, uh, which certainly didn't help us from a business perspective uh, during that final year at mile one. Uh, but then, yeah, so in 2005, in June in 2005, um, I'm actually out of work for the first time in my life. And um, um so I spent the summers trying to trying to decide uh, what we were going to do, whether we were just going to stay here. Would I go back teaching? Would I try something else? Would we like, what are we going to do? And uh, I was sitting home um, and I got a phone call uh, and the guy called me. He said, is Glenn Stanford there? And I said, speaking. And the guy said, hey, Glenn, it's Bob Bonine. Uh, I'm with a 
headhunting agency called Bonine Bonine. I forget the last name. I thought it was one of my buddies fooling around with me because I'd been out of work and I, you know, he's a headhunting agency and would you be interested in the job? So I actually hung up on him. And then about 10 minutes later, uh, the guy calls again. It's a New York number. And he calls, he says, Glenn. I said, yes. He says, Bob, don't hang up on me. Don't hang up on me. And uh, he said, look, he said, my name is Bob Benign. Uh, go to benigneastman.com. We're a head on headhunting agency for sports executives. He said, just have you, are you near a computer? I said, I'm at a computer. I said, just go ahead. Don't hang up. Don't hang up. So actually, he, he had called. And for some, uh, I didn't have my name in there, but I guess that's what they, they do. And he said, look, uh, we've got a couple of opportunities that we think uh, you might fit. Uh, one was in uh, Boise, Idaho, and the other one was in Wisconsin. And uh, um, he said, here's the opportunity for you. Which one would you like? And I like the Boise opportunity because it involved a couple of things, a little bit scary to be quite honest with you. Uh, so it involved um, being part of the Idaho Steelheads of the ECHL. Uh, as well, they had an arena uh, called Bank of America Center. When I got there, we changed it the name when I when I got there. Um, 5400 uh, seat arena and a hotel called the Grove. And um, uh, so the opportunity is you would become president of all three entities. And uh, would you be interested? So I, I was very comfortable, certainly with the arena aspect and with the uh, hockey aspect, uh, not so comfortable on the hotel aspect of it. Uh, so I said, look, I, I think the uh, I, uh, I think the one in Boise, I think, would be the best fit for me. Um, and I didn't realize how far west uh, Boise was. I, I don't know why I, I, I didn't. Uh, but I know that when I flew out there, I left I left uh, six o'clock in the morning here uh, and it took me 20 hours. Uh, by the time you uh, fly to Toronto, wait for your two or three hour connection, fly to Denver, wait for your an hour or two connection, and then go from Denver to Boise. Uh, it's 20 hours by the time you, uh, you, you, you get there. So I went out there, uh, interviewed for the job, and uh, um, I think I got there at 8 o'clock in the night, which is now 12 o'clock Newfoundland time. Uh, I'm sitting down with the three owners having dinner. Uh, it's now 10 or 11 o'clock. It's now 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm pretty well up for 24 hours. Uh, by the time I do the interview. And then it was interesting because the guy uh, said to me, he said, uh, you know, he said, what, what excites you about this job? Like, why would you, why would you come all the way over here? You know, your geography, I had to explain to him where Newfoundland was. And I kind of said to him, look, you know where England is? He said, yeah, well, come back, come back three hours this way. That's the simplest way to explain it to you. Uh, but I said to him, I said, I'm not interested in the job. I said, if I wanted the job, I would have stayed in Newfoundland. I can get a job. And, and I don't know whether that comment was going to get me the job or get me fired and flicked out the door. But I said, no, I, I just look, this is a passion for me. And, uh, you know, this is not a job. I get up every morning and I, I, I absolutely love what I do. Um, no, I'm not interested in the job, but this, uh, this is this is a passion. And so anyway, I got the job and I ended up staying there for uh, uh, for a year and a half, almost two years. Um, I became great friends with Norm Howard, who was the uh, uh, who was the general manager of the hotel, um, reporting now into me, who never worked in the hotel business in his life. And the guy was a was a hotel was a hotel executive for 20, 30 years. And uh, uh, I remember saying to him, I said, Norm, listen, I, I know nothing of the hotel business. Um, you know, you're going to run the hotel. 
uh, I got to report to the owners. So you just got to keep me up to date from a business perspective and from financial perspective so that we're not looking stupid in front of the owners. But look, make no mistake. Uh, uh, and Norm at that time was, you know, was 55, 60. And I was probably around, you know, 40, 45. And he didn't want this young guy coming into his industry trying to tell him what to do. And <clears throat> we ended up becoming great friends. And uh, uh, so that was a wonderful opportunity for me to, uh, to learn from Norm with regards to the hotel business, uh, the arena business. We changed our name when we got there from Bank of America Center to Quest Arena. Uh, we had the Idaho Stampede of, of back then, which is now the MBDL Development League playing in our building. Uh, and then we also formed, when I got there, uh, we bought an arena football team and played a, an arena football league for two years. So, uh, uh, again, great opportunity for me to, uh, to expand my horizons and, again, learn from a lot of good people out in Boise. Yeah, I think that's uh, something that's always interesting to see people do is kind of step out of your comfort zone. And and while there was obviously the hockey aspect and the arena management, like you know, just the hotel management, it's a it's a whole different field and and a, another beast in itself. So, uh, but again, interesting just to hear how that opportunity went, and then even the story of of somebody kind of reaching out to you, and um, you know, again, right place, right time, right opportunity, and uh, you know talking about the St. John's team before that uh, you talked about how you enjoyed the AHL and, and everything that I was involved with. And uh, sure enough, another opportunity would come back uh, or come up for you in the, at the AHL level with the Hamilton Bulldogs um, stepping in once again, as a president uh, talk about that team and, and the experience in the AHL with Hamilton. Yeah. So it, it was really interesting. I mean, as much as we, we, we loved Boise, uh, beautiful city, uh, beautiful people. Uh, but at the time, my two girls were in high school and my wife was back here and we decided, obviously, that uh, we weren't uh, we weren't going to take we weren't going to move as a family to go to Boise. You know, they're going to graduate with the people that they grew up with back here in St. John's. Um, so as much as it was it was great uh, being out there, I was out there by myself for almost two years. Uh, so uh, not unlike a lot of Newfoundlanders who have to leave here to go to work. And uh, I'm sure there's a ton of people out there and say, hey, I do that every two weeks. And, uh, and, uh, uh, but I was out there for two years and, and then not seeing, uh, not seeing you know, my family for, for almost two months. It's too far to go back and forth. So it was a little tough from that perspective. So then uh, I got a call from, again, Dave Andrews, who was president of the American Hockey League, and uh, said Hamilton were looking for a president. Uh, would you be interested? And and I, I was interested not so much for the fact of getting back in the American Hockey League, because that's what a lot of people thought, that it was an opportunity for me to get back in the American Hockey League. And I realized when I was out in Boise, you know, how good the ECHL was, <clears throat> that it really was, you know, literally just a step below the AHL and, and uh, you know, the reputation that they had as a fighter's league. I mean, all that stuff went away years ago and it was a it was a pretty good hockey league and uh and felt really bad for the fact that uh, i was only there for you know a little 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 less than two years uh but the opportunity the more the, the real reason i took the opportunity in hamilton uh was because it got me back into the eastern time zone and at least then i'm now only a three-hour flight uh away from st john's if i wanted to come home on a weekend or if i wanted to bring uh, debbie and the girls up to me and and for me, that was more of a an opportunity that I couldn't refuse. Um, 
of getting back into the Eastern time zone. So, uh, yeah, so I went to Hamilton, uh, became president in 2006 um, in December. And uh, we had a pretty good team at the, uh, during the year. Uh, Don Lever was our coach. Uh, our goalie was Yaroslav Halak, uh, pretty good goalie uh, now and uh, great goalie back then. And uh, yeah, so we end up uh, we end up going to the uh, we end up going to the Calder Cup Finals. And uh, it was an interesting story because uh, Bob Ganey was the GM for the Montreal Canadiens. And at the end of the year, he called me up and uh, he said, "Look, we're going to send Yaroslav Halak to the World Championships in Czechoslovakia." And where we're going, like, what, what do you mean you're going to send? He's our starting goalie. Like, uh, Jan Denis, still a pretty good goalie, but our backup uh, was the guy that we had. And But it was it was rare that, that they would send a goalie to the World Hockey Championships in a league where you think you got a pretty good crack at the at the, at making it to the final with Yaroslav Halak. Uh, but anyway, he said, that's what we're doing. And then, then he told me, he said, and then he said, we're taking a kid out of the Western Hockey League uh, who we drafted, and he's going to come on in, and uh, he's going to be our starting goalie. And we were we were pissed at the time. He's been, this is like you're not going to take a kid out of the junior league and come here to the Calder Cup Finals and perform. Uh, of course, the kid was Carey Price, and uh, <laughs> uh, so Carey Price came in, uh, played for us. Uh, he was outstanding during the uh, outstanding during the playoffs, as you can appreciate. Uh, came in. Uh, we beat Hershey in uh, five games in Hamilton uh, at Cops Coliseum, 14,000 people uh, in the building. We scored, a, we scored a shorthanded goal. Game was tied 1-1. We scored a shorthanded goal with five minutes left uh, to win 2-1. And Kerry uh, uh, Price named the MVP for the playoffs. Uh, so as we're sitting down having the beer in the coach's room, Bob turned to me and he says, so Glenn, uh, what do you think about my decision now? And I said to him, well, you know, that's why I'm on the business side of the game and you're on the hockey side of the game. Uh, so it was, it was, uh, you know, as I said to you earlier, you know, we were, we, that was my first year with Hamilton and, uh, you know, back in 1991, my first year with the Maple Leafs, we make it to the Calder Cup final, lose 15 years later, make it to the Calder Cup final and win. Uh, and then to top it all off, uh, the team that I left mid-season, the Idaho Steelheads, end up winning the ECHL Kelly Cup. So after waiting 15 years to get back to the final, I end up with two rings in one year uh, because we I left uh, left Idaho and they were gracious enough to uh, uh, to send me a, a Kelly Cup uh, ring uh, when we won the championship that year. So two rings in one year was a pretty fitting way to, to win that year for sure. Yeah, I don't think there's many people uh, that can say, you know, two championships in the same season, two rings. Um, but, uh, you know, you make the decision to go there for personal reasons, be closer to your family, better time zone. And, and sure enough, you're rewarded with, uh, you know, the success on the ice and uh, having Yaroslav Halak, a very strong goaltender. And then Carey Price coming in behind him, uh, you know, uh, uh, two very strong goaltenders and Carey Price uh, kind of showing there the last couple of weeks just how good he, he has become since yeah. that day. And, um, you know, you made a decision again to, to be closer to family. And sure enough, uh, soon after, there would be another opportunity to move even closer with the return of the St. John's Ice Caps. Uh, walk us through the, the whirlwind experience of coming back to Newfoundland and, and then the support you saw from fans uh, after a hiatus from the island. 
Yeah. Yeah. Interesting again. So, uh, you know, one of my friends, uh, two of my you know, good friends during the American Hockey League while I was there uh, it was, you know, Mark Chipman, who's the owner of the Winnipeg Jets and, uh, and more so Craig Heisinger, Zinger, as we call him, uh, who's the assistant GM in Winnipeg. So as I was in, uh, in, in Hamilton, um, you know, at, at that time, if you remember, you know, the rumors are going around that Winnipeg are coming back or, you know, they're, they're going to buy the Phoenix Coyotes. Or, you know, is it Atlanta? Is it Phoenix? Is it going to be a new franchise? Uh, so I, I simply put the word out to uh, to Zinger at the time that, look, uh, you know, if you're looking for an AHL franchise, I know a building that's empty. And obviously uh, uh, I, I was not I was not here in St. John's during the St. John Fog Devils years. Um, and, but I knew that, uh, you know, the Fog Devils had had moved on and model one was sitting empty. And so I simply called the guys and said, look, uh, not quite sure what you're doing, how you're doing it, where you're going. But, you know, let me let me throw uh, with with the blessing to be fair to my owner, Michael Anlauer, who was my owner in Hamilton. Wonderful person, uh, part owner of the Montreal Canadiens now uh, and realized how important it was uh, for this community to have a team back here. Uh, so I simply put the word out and uh, never actually Ryan thought that it would ever come to fruition. But I just wanted to make sure that in their thinking process and in their decision making process, that at least Newfoundland was was an option for them. <clears throat> so as it happens, you know, they uh, they get the Atlanta franchise. Uh, luckily for us, uh, Atlanta is in the Eastern Conference and Winnipeg has to play in the Eastern Conference, even though they are West. They had played in the Eastern Conference for the first three, four years of the uh, when they were in the National Hockey League. And uh, um, that was critical because they they were playing in the East and all their games were in the East. And that means the call-ups were less invasive when your team is playing in Toronto, Montreal, and Boston when you got a team, an American Hockey League team. So that was an important point. Uh, I'm not quite sure if they ended up getting Phoenix, if we would have had the opportunity to bring them here. So uh, they called me and they said, look, uh, I kind of knew in, you know, in in, in November, December, um, that we we had the opportunity to do it. Obviously, we didn't announce it till June. Uh, so we we sat on it. Uh, we very quietly built uh, built the business case up here. Uh, I contacted Danny and uh, and said, "Hey, listen, you know, Danny was uh, you know prominent member of a of a St. John Sports and Entertainment and vice chairman when we were with the Maple Leafs. Spent 14 years with them. Uh, I was, you know, big hockey fan. And I said, look, here's you know here's the opportunity. And you know, and uh, obviously he was in. And uh, uh, you know, so it was it was I think it was June 11th. Uh, in 2011 that we actually announced the team here uh, on June the 12th, we had 4,500 deposits down for season tickets one day later. Uh, and as you know, the, 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 the run was a magical run for, uh, you know, for the ice caps, certainly during the four years of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, you know, set a, set a, or I think we tied a, a league, uh, street with the guards to most consecutive sellouts uh, with Wilkes-Barre and uh, uh, the crowds were amazing. The corporate support was amazing. Um, you know, it was just, it was just unbelievable. And again, first year, again, we end up going to the conference final in our first year, uh, you know, with, uh, with Keith McCambridge as our coach. And uh, um, you know, I, I, again, you just, you cannot say enough about the community. 
uh, you know, people would point to say, you know, you, you only had two or three months to get it all together. I mean, how did you do it? How did you how did you craft everything? You didn't have any staff and blah, blah, blah. Look, I mean, the bottom line is bums in the seats and corporate support. Uh, and again, you know, our community stepped up and, you know, they, you know, they're, they're the reason for uh, the success of the St. John's Ice Caps. And as you know, we had a four year run with uh, four year run with with Winnipeg, uh, realizing that uh, uh, that it was coming to an end because as soon as they got switched out to the Western Conference of the National Hockey League, they were going to move their farm club out west and they moved it back to Manitoba. Um, and then we tried another, uh, tried another route again. So it's all about life's all about relationships. Mike Anlauer is the part owner of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs were, were, uh, still playing in Hamilton. <clears throat> I knew Mike's intention as to what he wanted to do once the team left. And that was to go to junior. Um, uh, we just persuaded him to go two years earlier, uh, and said to him, look, you're like, you're moving, uh, you know, you're moving, you know, you're moving to Laval. We know you're moving to Laval. Why not come to St. John's for a couple of years? Uh, get yourself out of the Toronto Maple Leafs market because Hamilton is stuck right into the Maple Leafs market. And you're trying to sell the Montreal Canadiens. Come here to Newfoundland where, you know, either you're a Montreal Canadiens fan or a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. You love one and hate the other. It'll be a great atmosphere for a couple of years. And what we were trying to do, we were simply trying to buy some time. Uh, we knew that we only had Montreal for two years. And then we were trying to buy some time uh, to see whether we can get another American Hockey League team to come here. Um, and we were pretty close, to be quite honest with you. Ray Shear was a good friend of mine. Uh, and when he became GM in New Jersey, I saw that as an opportunity. They were in Albany at the time. Uh, again, myself, again, Dave Andrews, uh, went down to, uh, to meet Ray down in New Jersey. Uh, and then we had a pretty good shot at it. And then, unfortunately, Binghamton decided – Ottawa decided to move from Binghamton to Belleville and then Binghamton became available and Binghamton is only an hour down the road from New Jersey. Uh, and we were knocked out of the blocks. Uh, we were knocked out of the blocks from that perspective. So, uh, unfortunately when all that happened, uh, I think for the first time in a long while, I realized that, uh, you know, American hockey league is now officially dead, uh, in this city. So, uh, but had a hell of a run for sure. Yeah, a, a tremendous run, and you just talk about the fan support. I can remember when the team first came back. Uh, I was at the first game, and just seeing um, night in and night out. I mean, you couldn't get tickets from the box office; everything was sold out. And uh, and then the team success, and Winnipeg is still seeing players on the roster that came through the system, and uh, you know Connor Hellebuck, Adam Lowry, all these players that you see at the NHL level having success, and then Montreal uh, coming in and, and seeing players go through as well, and. Uh, Eventually, the AHL would move on, as you said. But you know, having your experience then with the ECHL level and just seeing how uh, competitive it really is, and and having the relationships that you did, uh, you eventually decided that maybe there's an opportunity to bring the ECHL to Newfoundland, and, and sure enough, that came to the Newfoundland Growlers Agreement uh, in partnership with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, talk us uh, through that experience and and the whirlwind of bringing that level to uh, Newfoundland and, and introducing uh, you know another league and then the eventual championship run uh, in year one well it was interesting so uh, whatever that year was 17 18 uh, the last the last year of the American Hockey League uh, so uh, that was that was 25 years in the league for me over uh, the St John's Maple Leafs and, and Hamilton Bulldogs and Lacecaps years so 
the league invited me to go to the annual general meeting, back to the annual general meeting. I had no business going back, but they invited me back to get to recognize me for my 25 years in the league. Uh, so which, which was nice to do. And uh, so while I was there, I, uh, I bumped into Kyle Dubas, who came over to congratulate me. And we were just sipping on a beer after the uh, after the awards. And then he said, well, what do you got to do? I said, I had no idea what we're going to do. Uh, um, maybe we might look at Quebec Major Junior. I know it didn't work before, but uh, wasn't around. Don't know why it didn't work. And maybe we'll take a look at that. And he said, would you look, would you take, would you look at ECHL? And I said to him, I said, I don't think so. Um, and I said, the reason why I don't think we would look at it is that, you know, once you're in the ECHL, uh, if your players are not affiliated with your National Hockey League partner, any team in the league can start plucking your players from you. And um, um, so I said, I, I think we would have a problem finding players. And I think it would be too costly because <clears throat> not only do we have to find players, don't know whether we get them locally or not. We, you know, we got to pay them to come in and we got to pay to get them in. And I, I think constantly we'd be flying people in for our weekend series, especially if, you know, other teams just plucked our players away. So I said, I just, I just think it'll be too costly. And so then he said to me, well, what about if we guaranteed you 12 to 14 players? I said, well, that's a, that's a completely different story. If you're guaranteeing me that you're going to give me 12, give us 12 to 14 players, uh, then, uh, uh, nobody else, nobody else can can approach those guys. They are your guys. I said that's a completely different story. And he said, "Well, look," he said, "we'd be interested in, in, in going back to Newfoundland. We love it there. We love the Maple Leafs present there." Um, and so we talked over the next uh, month or two. Uh, we talked about how the coaches are. The coaches going to be uh, Toronto Maple Leaf Maple Leaf employees? Are they going to be St. John's employees? That's all got budget implications as to how much money we're we're spending out. Uh, and so we did. We did a deal uh, very quietly, and I had to sign a confidentiality agreement uh, um, that uh, that we would be dealing with them. Um, and then I bumped into an old friend of mine, Dean McDonald, one day in September, and uh, I, I was playing squash at the at uh, the Delta with another good friend, Scott Young, and went over to the Jag for a beer. And Dean was there. I haven't seen him in a while. We actually lived on the same street. Uh, our kids knew each other, and I've known Dean since uh, since grammar school, and and um, uh, just kind of said, "Hey, listen, what are you doing with yourself?" And I said, uh, "Look, just trying to trying to find another hockey team here, and not quite sure which way we're going to go." And and he said, "Interesting." He said, "You know, I, I think I might want to get back into the entertainment business." He was in it for a while, and uh, and I said, "Well, if you're interested, man, I can tell you the story, and I can give you the background as to uh, as to what's going to happen here." And he said, "Yeah, great." And and that's how it happened. And he, uh, he, he obviously became a, and obviously he is an integral part of, of the Newfoundland Growlers. I mean, obviously he's the owner and he's, uh, uh, as you know, he's a guy with, uh, with tremendous passion, uh, you know, not only for, not only for, you know, the businesses that he's involved with, but, you know, for this city and for this province. And uh, <clears throat> I actually said to him, I said, Dean, look, I, I, I really got to give you the heads up here. Uh, because I said, I do not think it's going to be as successful as the ice caps. Uh, you know, we, we've got to educate the people here about this product. They, you know, they've had, you know, they've had 20 years of American hockey league and, uh, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to happen overnight. And he, he knew, and he was to give him credit. Uh, he, uh, he, uh, he came on board, he invested, uh, 
heavily in that first year and uh, it was a tough year business-wise and uh, uh, again quirky first years and then there's another quirky first year where uh, you know he kind of said to me why do you think why do you think our chances are and I said well look I said look Toronto are going to give us 12 to 14 players <clears throat> which are probably AHL players on two-way contracts I said we're, we're you know I said we're gonna have a competitive team I'm not gonna tell you we're gonna win but I said, you know, we're going to have a competitive team. We, you know, we should make the playoffs and we should, you know, we should hopefully get a, you know, win a round or two here. We're only a first year team. And of course, you know, the story on that one. And, uh, uh, you know, we end up winning, uh, winning the championship, which, uh, which Dean keeps on reminding me that he's in his first year. He said, it's pretty, pretty easy. This is a pretty easy business to get involved in. I just come in for my first year and I win a championship first year. What are you doing over this 30 odd years? Only winning a couple, he so said it's pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, he's been, uh, he's obviously been an integral part of, uh, of uh, not only, as you can see, not only what he's doing uh, here for the Growlers, and then we expand into Trois Rivieres, when we expand into Iowa. Um, you know, he's a, he's a great business mind and he's a, he's a passionate Newfoundlander, and uh, uh, it's really been a joy for me to be, uh, to be working uh, for him and with him over the last number of years. Yeah, when you have great staff and great people around you, it's it's easier to, you know, put your passion into something and, and be successful in it. And it's funny you talk about then the expansion more recently. And Brian McKenna is actually a upcoming guest on the podcast as well. I know you know Brian. And, mm. uh, you know, in that first year, it, it's it just, again, follows a trend with you to, to be successful in your first year. And this time uh, being able to win a championship on home ice uh, back in Newfoundland. Uh, for you being from the province and, and finally having that moment, uh, what did it mean to you to bring a championship to the hometown and, and see it uh, happen in front of a, a sold-out uh, arena in St. John's? Well, listen, like, like we won the Collar Cup in 2007. Uh, wonderful experience, as I said, 14,000 people in Cops Coliseum. Uh, good group of people, good group of staff. Uh, you know, as I said to those guys, no disrespect, but it wasn't home. And, you know, that's what it, uh, I, I, and I keep going back to the fans and the partners because, you know, they deserve that, you know, just as much as, you know, the players and the coaches. I was so happy, um, you know, for, for fans that have been, you know, fans like Doug Stanley, then you know, might need the names. Doug Stanley was a season ticket holder since 1991. He's been to every game since 1991 and, and ice caps and even fog devils. And, uh, and the Growlers, and there's tons of Doug Stanleys out there, you know, that, uh, that were so happy that they had an opportunity to see that at home ice. So, you know, you know that's what's gratifying. It's, it's, it's for the, the people that kind of stuck with you over those number of years and see how happy they were uh, that we were finally, uh, finally had an opportunity to win something at home ice. Yeah, it really means a lot for all those people. And, uh, you know, just building on uh, all your experiences here, a few more questions before we clue up the interview. Uh, you know, having helped up with, uh, you know, for a lot of the time, startups of professional teams or, or kind of going in a different direction with teams, uh, for people just looking to learn more about management, what do you think is the most challenging aspect in that process with a new team? And maybe what's something that many people don't think of when building a team? You know, it's a good question. I, I, I think I think you've got you've got one opportunity to get it right. And that might seem like a, sound like a simple statement, uh, but you've got one opportunity to do it right. And, uh, uh, and I, would, I would suggest in any business that, that, that you take the time 
and have the patience to ensure that you do do it right. Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. So in, in, with the ice caps in 2011, uh, so I came back from Hamilton, uh, June 11th, we got the team, June to 12th, uh, no offices. Uh, I'm actually working out of the coach's office down in the, uh, down in the dressing room. Uh, my daughter, Melissa, is actually my first employee. And so my, my, my point is that there were, there were tons of people that I wanted to get involved with, with, the, with the team. And uh, uh, there, was, there was probably an urgency to, just to take whoever was around to come on in and help. And, and that's not doing it right. That's doing it because you just want to get things done now. So the, the, the first person that I wanted to, to, to come back uh, was Rob Maloney. And Rob was, uh, was with the St. John's Maple Leafs, and uh, he, was worked, he worked for the Vancouver Olympics. And he was with a private group out there in Vancouver when I called him and said, look, AHL hockey's coming back. Uh, you got the experience. Uh, you know, are you interested in coming back, and can you do it? Yes, he said, but I can't come back to Labor Day. I said, okay, then we'll wait. Second person I wanted to get was Trevor Murphy. Uh, Trevor was with the Edmonton Oilers, uh, Mount Pearl guy. Um, we needed someone to, to do all of our community relations and foundations and things of that nature. He did it out. He did it out in Edmonton um, and then said, yeah, I can come back, but I can't get there. I got to give notice. I can't get there in September. So my point is I spent that entire summer uh, for six weeks until the, 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 the first hire actually was Brian Rogers as a broadcaster. Uh, but all the business people, Brad Andrews, Rob Maloney, Trevor Murphy, uh, did not come in for September because you got one chance to do this correctly. And if you got to wait a little bit longer uh, for, for the right person, uh, then I think you do that because uh, otherwise you are filling a hole for the sake of filling a hole. And hiring the wrong person in your organization can set you back a couple of years. You hire the wrong guy. Uh, now you got to let him go. Now you got to bring somebody else back in. Now you got to you got to you got to you got to teach that person. You know your thoughts and the way you do business and things of that nature. Uh, we waited for the right people to come on board, and and they can take a lot of success and a, a, a lot of a lot of reasons for the success of our team. Uh, Brad Andrews was another guy that. Uh, uh, that we brought on board. So, and I would think I would say to people that, uh, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, do not, um, you know, do not rush into things and just make sure you get, you got one chance to get it right. And here's a perfect, here's another example, uh, was the growlers logo, which, you know, has gotten worldwide recognition. And I can give credit to Dean for that because Dean was so meticulous and once we decided that we we're going to call ourselves Newfoundland, and once we decided that we we're going to go with the Newfoundland dog, Dean was so meticulous in, in, in ensuring that uh, that logo was exactly the logo that it is now. It certainly was during a period of time when we were trying to figure out how to get it to that logo. And uh, I don't know how many times I had called him and say, Dean, like the equipment guys are calling me. CCM is calling me like we got to get their jerseys done, man. We got to make a decision. And he kept on saying the same thing, Glenn, we got one chance to get this right. Uh, we're not going to rush it. And uh, they'll hang on, you know, don't worry, they'll give us deadlines and another deadline. So, you know, uh, 
you got one chance to get it right. Uh, take your time and do it right. Yeah, a, a really great um, you know thing. Just to, you got to think about when building a new team and and building an organization or building any kind of startup uh, is making sure you have the right people. I think it's a great point and. Uh, just everything you've done in your career, kind of looking at everything and, and uh, even looking at your position today, uh, what are your goals moving forward? And, and is that more so uh, on the ice or is there goals that you have off the ice? Um, I, I think, you know, moving forward, uh, I, I think it's the way that we're, we're building up our organization right now. I mean, I've kind of, um, you know, um, not so much relinquished the day-to-day the growlers, but certainly Trevor Murphy and, and Cody McDonald and, and Kim Peters are taking care of the day-to-day stuff here with the growlers. Uh, I'm spending much, much more of my time now, uh, obviously dealing with Trois Rivières and dealing with Iowa and setting up those that structure. And and uh, um, uh, you know, obviously our staffs are in place in those positions. But in the last two or three weeks, hiring coaches, hiring assistant coaches. Uh, so I, I think I see myself probably more so getting away from the day-to-day stuff that I've been doing for 30 years. Um, uh, you know, nice to do, but I'm, I'm, I've been at it for 30, 31 years. So uh, kind of moving hopefully into a different direction where, you know, potentially just kind of overseeing the management teams of the three, uh, the three hockey teams we have for now and seeing whether we can grow that side of the business. Uh, uh, gives me an opportunity to still, you know, keep, stay involved uh, in the business. I've been very fortunate that, uh, that I, I am still involved. I mean, it's not too many people, uh, who can say that they're involved in pro sports uh, and they're doing it in their hometown. And I've been very fortunate that uh, I have, was able to spend the majority of my team during my time uh, in pro sports and I'd be able to do it in St. John's. And uh, so very fortunate that uh, that Dean is still keeping me around. So hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, we can take a look at the teams that we have and, and who knows, maybe maybe grow them into, uh, if not more hockey teams and uh, then potentially more other sports teams. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's great for the province and and great for the brand as well, and good to have goals. Um, one thing that we usually like to do on the podcast as we near the end is just recommend some different articles or books or anything that you look to for reference uh, for our new ideas in the game or management. Uh, for people listening here today, do you have any personal favorites that you would recommend that they look into? Well, I've only got into this stuff actually the last couple of years. Like I'm a well, first of all, I'm a big reader. I, I read a lot. Uh, I don't read, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not here just to read stories. I, I do a lot. Uh, I, I do a lot of leadership books. I do. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of all that stuff. And, uh, you know, there, you, 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 if someone had said to you at some point in your life to say, look, you've got all of this resources, all of these people who are giving you advice, whether that's books, whether that's emails, whether that's newsletters, it'd be a shame to not to not utilize that. You got all these people who've had life experiences. They've gone through all these things. They've gone through the ups and downs. They've gone through all the problems that you're looking at. And they got all these resources here for you to say, well, why don't you take a look at this? Because I've gone through it. So, you know, for people out there who don't do that, it's a shame. It's, it's, it's a worldwide opportunity for you to learn and grow. Uh, and uh, so actually the last year and a half or so, and Kyle Dubas got me into this, is uh, is reading a lot uh, reading a lot about stoic, the stoicism and uh, uh, Ryan Holiday is a uh, is a guy that uh, uh, I get a daily newsletter from every morning uh, called the Daily Stoic. Um, he has uh, a couple of great books uh, that I've read uh, a number of times. Uh, uh, Ego is the enemy. 
is uh, is one book that uh, that I keep on reading. Uh, Stillness is the key is another book uh, th- that I read, and um, I've always been a fan of. Uh, you probably don't remember this name. Uh, Pat Williams used to be the president for the Orlando Magic when Shaq O'Neal uh, was playing for Orlando, and he has a, he has a number of books entitled "There's Magic and Teamwork," and uh, and he talks about you know the eight or nine or ten points of uh, of, uh, of being a team player, not only at the, on the ice or at home or in your office. Um, I've been a big follower of him. I've got four or five of his books, and uh, a lot of times, you know, to be quite honest with you. You know, I, I've had Pat Williams's books for 10 or 15 years and probably read them, you know, four or five times each uh, over the years. So uh, I just think that you got to find you've you got to find somebody that you can uh, that you can trust, uh, somebody that you can learn from. Uh, there's there's some great stuff out there with regards to resources. And like if you're not getting into that stuff, uh, I think you, I think you got to start. Yeah, I, I think there is so many things and, and we hear a number of them on the podcast and a lot of times it's hockey, but definitely a lot of stuff on leadership and, and learning from other sports executives or just people with experiences. And like you said, uh, you know, it's all out there. They've had the, the opportunity to try different things in their lifetimes and it's uh, it'd be a shame not to look into it and learn from them. Uh, you know, learning a lot of times comes from mentors and people in the game that you meet throughout your career. Uh, for you personally, who are some of those key mentors who you were able to learn from throughout your career and just talk about some of the things they taught you collectively? Well, I listen, I, I think for, for all of us, you know, the, for me, the first mentors are, are your parents. Uh, you know, very fortunate to have uh, a mom and dad who, uh, uh, you know, having 11 kids, <laughs> you know, I've, I've got two and two grandkids and uh, can only appreciate my mother having 11 uh, in the family. And, and, you know, so certainly... Certainly, from the early stage on, it's certainly certainly with my parents, certainly my mother more so than than ever. My dad was a chief engineer with CN Marine. Um, he was, you know, out two weeks, in two weeks, out two weeks, in two weeks. Maybe home for Christmas, not home for both. And uh, so my mother was kind of left with the uh, with the challenge of, of raising us and, and teaching us the good Christian values of of, uh, of simply just being honest and hard work. And uh, uh, so certainly a lot of credit, uh, a lot of credit to her for sure. Um, you know, in the early years for me, there was a, uh, I went to, uh, St. Pat's, as I mentioned, and, uh, and brother rice high school. And there was an Irish Christian brother, Dave Murphy, brother Murphy, who just recently passed, uh, last year, um, uh, was a big influence on me in my early years. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned a number of his name a number of times from the broadcast. I mean, Dave Andrews, you know, opened the door for me back in 19, uh, 1988, um, you know, and kept on open those doors when there were opportunities like I was in Boise. Um, it was Dave Andrews who put my name through the Mike Anlauer. Uh, they gave me the opportunity in Hamilton. Uh, so, uh, you know, certainly uh, uh, being a mentor and certainly being a lifeline friend as well. And, and, um, and, and then from a hockey perspective, you know, Floyd Smith for, for, for two years, uh, you know, I was, believe it or not, I, I was a really shy guy back in the early uh in the early nineties and, uh, uh, you know, never played hockey, you know, wasn't around, you know, knew the game, you know, I watched it obviously, but never played it. So uh, I was really shy being around all of these, you know, NHL general managers and they're talking hockey and here's a guy who never played the game and, and uh, uh, rather shy to, to, uh, uh, to get involved in it. And, and Floyd kind of brought me 
into that uh, into that circle where I'm sitting down at tables with, you know, Al Coates, uh, who was a general manager for the Calgary Flames back then, who's become a really good friend of mine. Uh, but the guy that uh, that really brought me along in hockey and kind of took me out of my shell was Bill Waters. And Bill was the assistant GM for Toronto. Uh, he was a former agent. You know, Bobby Orr was his was one of his players. And, uh, you know, Rick Five was one of his one of his players. He worked with Alan Eagleson. And then, uh, you know, he was a he was a media guy, radio guy, uh, big personality. People love to be around him. You know, a lot of fun to be around. And uh, he for for uh, in the early years with the Maple Leafs kind of got me out of my shell a little bit to uh, uh, to be a little bit more comfortable being around the, the, the hockey world. As I said, I never played the game and I never, you know, I never grew up playing the game. So, uh, you know, certainly, uh, certainly Bill Waters, I, got, I really got to thank for, uh, for, for everything that he's done during, during the hockey world for sure. And then, you know, um, as it continues to this day, I mean, like I said, look, Dean has been a, Dean has been a lifelong friend of mine. And, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, thought after 30 years, two or three years ago in hockey, I was done. And, uh, uh, he might be kicking himself in the butt for doing this, but here I am three years later, still being around a game that I like, an industry that I like, and again, having the opportunity to do it in my home city. And not a lot of people can uh, can, can say that, as I said earlier. So, you know, those were those, those would be some of the names that would come to mind for sure. Yeah, all tremendous people. And you said fortunate to be in the position you are and uh, with the hockey community and, and sports in general, you just got to have those great people to, to help you in s- different situations and, um, you know, it, it goes a long way in having those connections. And as a final question here on the podcast, Glenn, uh, you know, looking at someone who's maybe just getting into the industry, what's one final piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful? Here's how I'll answer that. And I, I'll, the best way to answer that is I'll tell you a story. So back in 1992, 93, uh, there was a guy that called me. He had just uh, finished his university degree. And uh, he called me and he said, look, I, I exactly what you were just saying. Look, I want to get involved. Uh, how do I get involved? How do I get my foot in the door? Like, what? I'll do anything. I'll do anything. And I said to him, look, I, I don't have a job for you. There's no job. And I said, look, if you're interested, um, if you're interested, you know, there's you can come up and and help Chris Reed, who was our director of media relations at the time, and help him in the press box. And, you know, that's just kind of like, you know, handing out media notes, uh, helping people get to their seats, uh, maybe doing some copying, journey into missions, things of that nature. And uh, he said, OK, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so he put his foot in the door. Um, the following year, uh, Chris moved up to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And obviously we had to replace Chris. So we replaced him with this guy. And uh, he ended up staying with us for three or four years. Dave Andrews, common name throughout this whole thread, uh, called me and he said, look, we're looking for uh, a person to uh, do media relations for the American Hockey League. Do you know anybody? Yep, I've got the guy here, right here. He goes down there and uh, he works three, four years down there. The Calgary Flames call the American Hockey League and say, we're looking for a communications person to come in and take over uh, our media relations with the Calgary Flames and call the American Hockey League. And Dave Andrews says, yeah, we got the guy. So the guy was Peter Hanlon. And Peter Hanlon started with the St. John's Maple Leafs in 1992 as a volunteer, came in and did 
small stuff, small stuff. But the thing about doing small stuff is it leads to big stuff. And don't think because you're just doing small jobs that you can't do them well. And that's what happened with Peter. I mean, you know, so when Chris Reed left and we had an opportunity, I turned around. So this guy's worked hard and he, he didn't complain and all the stuff that we gave him to do, small jobs, he did it well. And then when Dave called me and said, hey, who do you who do you have? Well, here, here's a guy that's been with us for three years. I think he'd be great there. And then when Calgary phones Dave, well, who do you have? So Peter Hanlon is now the senior vice president of the Calgary Flames and uh, started with the with the Maple Leafs in 92, 93, doing small things. And you can't you know, you, you can't give people an opportunity to look at your reputation and say, well, why do you think of Peter Hanlon? And give him an opportunity to go, well, as soon as they say, well, I'm not sure, uh, people are going to say, well, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's some baggage there. So no matter what you do, you do it well, you do it to the best of your ability, you be prepared, and then that provides opportunities. And then the thing about opportunity, as Peter was, is you better be prepared when those opportunities come along. So opportunities will come along. The question is, are you prepared to act on those opportunities? And Peter, to give me his credit, university student coming out of university, he went in and he volunteered that whole year doing small things, but he did the small things very well. And he ended up, look where he is now. So, uh, you know, obviously you got to get your foot in the door, you know, to get into the business. Uh, and a lot of times when you get your foot in the door, you're not doing big jobs because those jobs are already taken, but you're doing small jobs. And I can guarantee you that that over my period of time, and we've got two interns in here today. I bet you over my 30 years in business, I've hired 40 to 50 interns because they started, they, they came in our office, they worked well, they knew our system, they knew our people. And when the opportunity came, uh, they just needed to be prepared. And a lot of them were. So get your foot in the door. And maybe one yeah. day you, you could be the senior VP of the Calgary Flames. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, definitely something to strive for, but tremendous advice and a great story. And, and hopefully people take that lesson to heart and move forward with it. Uh, with that, Glenn, I just want to thank you again for joining me on the podcast. It's always great to, to catch up with you and, and see how things are going. Um, hopefully things continue to go well with the team. And I wish you all the best here moving forward with next season. Great, Ryan. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. All right. Take care. Take care. One thing that fans within the game, hockey minds, and players can agree upon is that when done responsibly, there's nothing better at the end of the day than a cold beer that you enjoy for both its taste and its aroma. And this segment of the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Kitty Vitty Brewery. You can visit their tap room now open seven days a week and their new retail location in St. John's, Newfoundland at 16 Harborview Avenue. If you're one of those people who are maybe looking for some more entertainment, somewhere to sit with friends, you can definitely check out their original location in Kitty Vitty, Newfoundland. Join the Kitty Vitty Craft Club at kittyvittybrewery.ca and give them a follow on social media to keep up to date on the latest brew news. If you're not from Newfoundland and not from the East Coast and you want to get involved, definitely follow them on social media and learn more about their beer, which is great for a casual beer drinking fan and also the beer enthusiasts. And stay tuned because who knows, maybe they'll find their way to get their beer to a location near you. Check out Kitty Vitty Brewery today for more information on their beer, clothing, and all things Kitty Vitty Brewery. (music) 
I'd like to thank Glenn for joining me on the podcast and sharing his path in the game and providing some great stories along the way. It's not every day you get to win two championships in the same season, so for providing us with entertainment through stories like that, useful knowledge, and for everything he has done for hockey in my home province, I would like to once again thank Glenn. If you would like to get in touch with Glenn to learn more about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly, or you can contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com, and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Reed Cashman, head coach at Dartmouth College. A coach who has been all the way to the NHL level, Reed has seen it all, and being able to coach Alex Ovechkin in one-on-one situations, you know he has some great stories to share as well. So tune in to that release on Wednesday. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone for continually listening to the podcast and for your support throughout the first 100 episodes of the show. We hope to continue to grow the brand, so be sure to continually listen in, follow all of our social media platforms, join the Hockey Minds community, and let us know who you want to hear from next. As always, stay safe and all the best.